halfway there. You either got less hair or more coming out everywhere. Getting more deaf, worrying about death. All the tires you got are spare. Unexplained coffin while choosing your coffin. Getting some laughs in and choking on taffy. Squeaking more than a dolphin. Rolling at the kids, soiling undies with skids. Wondering if we fucked it up, can we still make the mic drop? Genexing, texting, vexing, exiting. But not yet, not yet. We're just halfway there. Halfway there. Hi, I'm Kim Gaynor. Hi, I'm Camilo Fantasia. Hi, I'm Jenny Tear, and this is Halfway There, a podcast about the new middle age. Yeah. How is everybody? It's that Sunday. Uh, is it Sunday? Is it Monday? It feels like a Sunday night, actually. Oh, I know why. Because today I had no pressing work. So I did a lot of mm. like getting my life together kind of shit. Okay. It's kind of feel like it's a Sunday vibe, right? Like mm-hmm. catching up Did on stuff. Self-care. A couple of a couple of stray eyebrows came out. Not eyebrows, but eye Eyebr- eyebrow hairs. We need a better, we need better marketing for that. Strays. I, I strays. I, yeah. I don't know. You plucked. Just a couple. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Caterpillar yeah. kind of brows or what? <laughs> They're kind of like old man brows. That's what all starts to happen to us all, right? I would love yeah. my brows to get bushy and old man like. I feel like I plucked too much and then in the uh, off. No, you've always had good brows. Like I feel like you yeah. have something to work with that's not too much. I've always had kind of bald brows. Um, <laughs> I feel like your brows are very nice. Mm-hmm. What, they're now. they're fake. Yeah. Are the things Wait, now. Are they microbladed? Are they? We talked about that, right? No, no, no. Wow. They're, 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 right now they're, there's nothing. But most of the time I have some kind of a brow pencil and me too temporary yes i've been doing the glossier boy brow Mm, that's so in a bushy boy brow (laughs) straight up straight up to the heavens camila you need to take a picture of your brows so that i can imitate them because you're you've got got a boy brow brow. my my brows are my brows are like my hope for the future Mm. (laughs) like like i I'm really into 1970s British elderly actor brows. Have I oh, talked about that? Oh, bushy as fuck. Like, yeah, I want this. Like from the original yes. Dune. Like you, you, you just saw the new Dune, but I want the brows oh from God, the original so Dune. Where they jump uh, off uh, of your face and strangle somebody. <laughs> yeah, they're they, crawling. Yeah. I, I, I know, it's not that. Sorry, I just, McKellen. Doesn't he have those brows? Yes. More than more than they project like a extremely imperial dignity. Mm, like yeah. this person is a source of authority for everything. And it also mean- projects that maybe they're a wizard. And there's that. Exactly. Yeah, with a tinge of the occult. Or a nasty <laughs> yeah. aristocrat. I don't know. That's a fine line. I don't know. I it's feel like true. the nasty aristocrats are much more prim and like control uh, no, like they'll but but when you're really old money and you're so fucking rich you literally do not have to groom it's true didn't yeah, howard hawks people? yeah remember he had howard hawks right he was the one who had no uh the the aviator. howard hughes. hughes hughes yeah apparently at the end of his life he had these like incredibly long didn't he just let himself toenails and he just shat all over the place yes. he, was, he, he sat just, in his screening in room and kept, yeah he kept yeah. 
poops in bags and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh Disgusting. my god. That McDonald's really bags. Super rich. Bizarre. Just huh? fucking gave up. I will say, in the Aviator, where Leonardo DiCaprio plays him, he does not have crazy scraggly eyebrows. I feel like crazy scraggly eyebrows indicate approachable, grandfatherly, um, maybe a little mysterious, as we said, but not never hostile dangerous okay can i can i tell you guys a story i've been saving this up yes speaking please of hostile and dangerous people okay so on sunday speaking of sundays yeah it was no sorry it was saturday that's when i worked i decided that i was going to make a carbonara so mm-hmm. after work i stopped at this like little italian specialty store that's in this town I go in and I wanted to get guancale, which is like, you know, pig shoulder or something. Cause I saw the Stanley. Guanciale. Guanciale. Yeah. Stanley Tucci told you to get guancale. Yes. That- I saw the, <laughs> I'm such a fucking boomer. I saw the CNN show. I really liked it. He went to this restaurant where they do the best carbonara. And he's like, the, you know, one of these tricks is only egg, no cream, but guancale. So I was like, I'm going to do a delicious. I want to do one. Yeah, I want to do, I want to recreate it. So I go into the store. There's a fridge, you know, where the meats are. And I knew what I wanted, right? I asked the guy, do you have guancale? He says, guanciale, whatever. And he's like, yeah, we do it right there. He points to the fridge. I had seen this woman in the store and I, I, like picked up on the fact that she was really nasty to the store clerk. You know, I just was like, oh, okay. This woman has a really kind of acid tone. She was asking the store clerk about cheese. So she's standing in front of this refrigerator where the meats are kind of lingering. And I knew what I wanted. So I go, oh, excuse me. You know, like, do you mind if I just grab what I want? So I opened the door and I picked through like one or two pieces of the meat and then I grabbed the one that I wanted. And she goes, excuse me, why did you have to do that? You <laughs> saw me, you saw me standing there and you just went ahead of me. And I said, no, I said, excuse me because I thought you were lingering. And she was like, well, I wasn't lingering. I was about to do exactly what you were gonna do. And I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude. And, and then I, she tried to go in again. And then I looked at her and I said, I'm sorry, but you seem like a very irritable woman. And then I (laughs) (laughs) turned around and I went to the register and I hear her go, but I'm, uh, mm, I'm not really an irritable woman. I'm not an irritable woman. And I thought she's going to be thinking about that all night. Holy shit. You got her. You, you shut her up a little bit. I just was like, who does that? You know what I'm saying? Like, who picks a fight in a little store? People in the Northeast and probably probably Orange County, California. (laughs) I just don't get it. I'm like, really? In the kind of like fishbowl of life, this is worth your time? Picking a fight with a stranger because they wanted to get their like pork shoulder? (laughs) Then I I want I'm so on your side, but I I would be less than honest if I didn't say that sometimes I not for the exact same reason, but I am that combative person. If I in public sometimes, if I feel because I feel like I feel like I, from childhood youth, it's it's being a runt, it's being picked on, bullied, and it has always stayed with me. 
And there was a certain point in my life that I was like, I will not ever be bullied and I will not let other people be bullied. And it's really like a thing that has always been a thing for me. And it, it means that I'm a little extra sometimes. Someone, and sometimes you just have to give people grace. And um, sometimes people are being dicks and they need to be called out. I don't know if I'm able to, to determine all of the time what is appropriate. I have to say. Yeah. I you being honest. Is. Like, I don't, I don't, I hate that woman for you, but like, I have to say, I've probably been her before. I I'm going to say, I'm with so, Kim. I'm with siding so with this woman. Jen, how dare you? <laughs> I know. How I'm dare you try Jen, to steal this woman's Jen. guanciale? This woman needed a guanciale for her zuppa. Zuppa di guanciale. Allora, questa notte, il, il oh guanciale della mia famiglia è un disastro. She was the opposite of that. She was so uptight. She was like, it looked like she was coming from a cold house in Maine where her father never gave her a hug. I mean, I just was like, lady... You probably, if you'd hugged her at that moment, she would have melted into a puddle of like probably attitude and love. It was really bizarre. I just was like, I was kind of shaking when I got to my car. I just was like, I wonder, you know, those videos you see people getting in, you know, (laughs) fights and stuff like Karens and all of that stuff. But it's really kind of. Sometimes I think of myself as a Karen, but I, I feel like I'm a righteous Karen. So that's not a Karen. Like I, like I, I'm more of a like Bonquisha, you know, <laughs> like I, I'm sorry. Like if I detect, I feel like it's in response to Karens that I will, Bonquisha comes out and she does but not. you're not like nasty to customer service people. No, I mean, I, no, had, no, no, like, no, 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 but like someone that cut in line or something like oh. another customer. Yeah. Some sometimes I've noticed that uh, this is more in the the U.S. um, that people just act like you're invisible, and and that is triggering for me because I do think I have some issue around around that because of a lot of things. If someone just pretends like they don't see me, or maybe they don't see me, and I look, I've been spending my whole life trying to be seen. It's gonna be it's gonna be a thing. There's going to be something said out loud about it. I'm not saying that's for the best. I'm saying that's psychologically why I think I do it. Um, I'll say this. I've always seen you defend people if you see something that you don't think is right in a way that I think is very brave and really admirable and pretty cool headed. So I've never seen that. I've never seen you like. Never seen Bonquisha? I never have. I, I don't I think, think I ever have. <laughs> I think to be a Karen and not a, but maybe the difference with bump cliche is, uh, and forgive my pronunciation, but um, <laughs> I think to be a Karen, you have to manufacture a conflict that wasn't there to start with. Yeah, like Central yeah, Park Karen. Oh no, definitely. there's a black man in my space. How dare And he's he dangerous. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think that is kind of the definition of a, of a Karen, and if you're reacting to a real issue or slight, it's not. You're no longer it's a Karen. Yeah. yeah, it's they, legitimate. You know, we're allowed know. to react and get angry at situations like that's not, you know. But sometimes I feel like, and I've been talking to my therapist about it, and she's like, maybe you should have let that one go. Sometimes, mm. she, 
I'll be like, you're the Karen. No, no. Ninety percent of the time for me, the letting go of it is because I'm thinking that person could be armed. Like that is it. I'm always like, I want to get into it, but I don't know what's going on here with this person. Yeah. And how insane, how truly bonkers they are. Yeah. Good to keep in mind. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this. I did say, excuse me, you know, before I moved out of the way, she could have, you know, she could have whipped around and said, no, I'm not done yet. I'm still looking and I'm about to choose. And then I would have said, okay, I'll wait. I said, excuse me, she moved out of the way. Miss signals. Yes, it was. um, Yeah. Yeah. It was very, and I did, I did say to her, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, tr- I'm not trying to be rude. I don't, you know, I wasn't trying to be rude. And then she was like, well, yeah, why were, and I said, well, you seem like a very irritable woman. <laughs> I just love that. And that uh, hit her like where it hurts. Uh, you should, I think you so, said, you was, clearly have <laughs> irritable woman syndrome. You could talk to your doctor uh, about worse that. than IBS. Yeah. I was like, what if I whipped out some like prescription pills? And I was like, well, this is a perfect opportunity for you to take irritable uh, woman syndrome pills. Here's some emodium, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I was like, really, it's ecstasy. Now go have some fun. <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine? She takes an oh, ecstasy, yeah. goes to the parking lot, and like ten minutes later, comes back in the store, <laughs> and she's like, "What's your name, Jennifer?" <laughs> Oh my yeah. God, Jennifer! I'm so sorry. I love you so much. Oh my God! Oh my God! That's Bonus all. materials, Look, people. The oh, visual you're getting. Let's get into this freezer together and keep each other I warm know. amongst the. Oh, the keys. feel the mozzarella. It would be great. <laughs> she would be so much happier. You guys, can we can we put a pin in? Um, wait, no. I just have an idea for a whole episode. I think it should be called the drug episode, and I we think I think we should dive deep into drugs yes always Past, i love talking feature. about drugs yeah 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 definitely we need to talk about micro micro dosing yeah. all the kids are doing it i'm so what naive are the cool kids up to they're <laughs> micro dosing i i don't know i mean i know what micro dosing means i don't know what they're doing are we saving that yeah, for the drug episode. Okay, all yeah. right. So, Drug-isode. Drug-isode. so that's a teaser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not going into Guys, it. Um, can I can I just do like a little quick quick a little quick, quick. feature here? Um, that yes, you may can. may or may not return, but I I prepared it, so I feel like I have to regurgitate it. Um, this is not one of our regular features. It's going to be a really fast run through of what Facebook might be renaming themselves to now that they are right. delving into the metaverse maybe, but um, I didn't really get into that, but I want your reactions to these potential names. Okay. okay. Lay them mm-hmm. on us. All right. So I've got fraught book, fright, <laughs> fright book, fraud book, Ooh. Freud book. Freud's nook, Freud's shook, disgraced crook. Oh, yes. Nice. Okay. Who frame booked Mark Zuckerberg? The Facebooking, the jungle Facebook, Facebook ween, Facebook ween three season of the Zuck, the Facebooking dead, Facebooks of death, 
Facebook of Shadows, the uh, Blair Witch Project 2, Death Wish 5, the Facebook of Death, Unfunny Face Book, and the Facebook of Your Mom, which is the Book of Mormon. Mormon. How about Deep Fake? Yeah, that's good. Deep Fake Book. Yeah. Uh, These are all excellent. The board will be voting tomorrow. Okay. Yes. Yes, all of them. Yes, increasing child suicides. We'll we'll put it on the docket. And you forgot face tots, which I suggested several weeks ago. No, because I didn't want yes. to mention it because it's trademark, trademark, registered. Oh yeah, TM TM ding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um. So they're renaming to be part of the metaverse. That's because they want everybody to wear Facebook goggles or something. <laughs> Apparently, Is that their ultimate goal. That's it's it's already upon us. I I was listening to um, one of my favorite podcasts, which is how did this get played? I just thought of a good one, the face trick, like the matrix. The face tricks. Oh, mm-hmm. the face tricks. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Which a lot. pill will you take? The yeah, pill. yeah, yeah, yeah. Red, blue, face tricks. Actually, there's a new matrix coming out mm. this yeah. December. And it features a red pill and a blue pill. The the poster's really good. Oh, I, I'll, like, I'll be seeing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh. I was correct. It is, it is how did this get played? <laughs> but somebody went into a VR communities, online communities, where you could avatar yourself as anything you wanted. So if you want to be, I don't know, a Indonesian lady. Indonesian 36-year-old. Or if you want to be a banana, or if you want to be a microwave, I mean any, anything. So what this is? So then your avatar interacts online as yes. whatever you want it to be. Yeah, and, and you, you may have be. Goggles you're probably, on when you do it. Yeah, you. you is it like The Sims? Oh, I know. Yeah, the yeah Sims. but you're in it. But you're you're in it. Um, you're wearing your VR headset, so you're moving around. Oh, so it's like a first-person po- point of view. Correct, and you are interacting with these other people. So so if you like, you're a microwave and you see like a, I don't know, a food hot processor. Pocket. Yeah, you see a hot pocket. Hot pocket. Is, you see somebody's avatar is a hot pocket. You're going to have a lot in common, right? That's the name of a vibrator, so, by the way. So I'm not sure who you're talking excellent. about. An yeah. after-school yeah. snack. It could that be I remember loving or something else. It could, it else could be. She remembers loving too. No. <laughs> but but um, so far, the host, the particular hostess of this podcast was saying that she was acutely aware that everybody else there was like 13 years old. So it was very uncomfortable. Uh, Shout out to Heather Ann Campbell, hilarious comedian. And, Why uh, and do 13 year olds need to be wearing VR glasses and pretending they're microwaves? I mean, haven't we taken their imagination enough? <laughs> I hate Mark Zuckerberg. I hate all these people. And this is not even Mark Zupper, Zucker, Zup, Zupperberg. Zupper, Zupperberg. Zupperberg. <laughs> I wish I could have gotten him out of the refrigerator. Um, it, then who is it? you know your oculus rifts or whatever else is out there currently that um are the headsets the recur so the metaverse is upon us i will talk about it in more depth next week wonderful if nobody else is is talking about it before then 
Well, I guess we should see what what people are talking about right now. Yeah, yeah, for are, sure. In our segments, what are the tiny, tiniest members of our population? What doing? are the face tots up to? <laughs> yeah, well, you guys want to know what the kids are up to? Mm-hmm, oh, always. so okay. badly. What are the cool kids up to? What music do they like? Where do they go at night? Are they watching sexy Netflix shows or anime or both? Cool, cool kids like really cool kids. We want to know what you're up to. Ah, as if. All right. All right, guys. So let's get into it. Hashtag van life. Mm. You guys. Mm, I feel like van life's taken kind of a dark turn lately. Yeah, it definitely has. And and we, we all know about that. But prior to, and we'll talk about that if, if you want <laughs> a couple months are you, ago are you going to air the dirty laundry is that what i'm hearing later uh, on was that a pun ew oh god cringe oh. meter cringe meter just rocket it oh, upward god it's it's at 13 i don't think we've ever that was yeah you're breaking you're breaking deal, right god tilt tilt <laughs> so so hashtag van life, you guys, you put that into one social network being Instagram, you get 11.4 million results. Wow. Yeah. As of like yesterday. So I'm sure it's probably like tripled by today. Uh, but yeah, 11.4 million results for hashtag van life on Instagram. This is a trend that's been around for about 10 years, right? If you have not heard of hashtag van life, probably the first thing you should do is put it into Instagram, put it into your uh, browser, and you'll, you'll start to get a sense for it. Back in the day, probably back in our day, our Gen X day, Living in a fucking van was nothing that you wanted to aspire to. In fact, there was a hole and God rest his soul. You guys remember Chris Farley, who was one of yeah. red mm-hmm. SNL performers, um, brilliant comedian, had this, had this character called Matt Foley. He was a motivational speaker who lived in a van down by the road. <laughs> to do like the physicality too. They're like... He used to hike up his pants and everything. And it was just so, you knew what that character was about. Like, like it was about being sad and past <laughs> time and no longer young and fucking up everything. And therefore your choice is to live in a van. Okay, that is not the hashtag van life that we are talking about right now. Uh, van life is aspirational. Van life is about influencers and lifestyle and travel travel and travel and youth and all of these things which actually are you know connected with yeah money so i came across an interesting uh opinion piece in jen your favorite publication penthouse form (laughs) (laughs) just kidding your favorite (laughs) publication the failing new york times yes um 
And the name of the piece is called Zen and the Art of Hashtag Van Life Influencing. It's a, an opinion piece by J. Caspian King. And so it goes into uh, this whole phenomena that has been happening for a long time. If you put in hashtag van life, it brings up, I already said, 11.4 million results. It's young couples. A lot of them are millennial and, and, and Gen Z. Although uh, Jay in this piece is slightly older, but he's sort of reflecting a lot about the youth culture and van life. And he references a piece, a large piece that was done in 2017 um, by the New Yorker. So he's referencing this other thing. I'll read it to you guys because I think it's interesting, okay? In 2017, the New Yorker published a dispatch from hashtag van life, a hashtag that features dozens, okay, 2017, that was a long time ago. We just said it was millions. A hashtag that features dozens of millennial couples documenting their lives in their stylish conversion vans. The aesthetics of hashtag van life roughly matched up with the softly lit, lightly tussled influencer trends at that time, but with a slightly crunchier edge. Swap out the vintage Eames chairs and itchy mid-century modern couches for an orange Westphalia van with a Hudson's Bay blanket draped over a bed and some cute hooks for hanging Japanese neoprene wetsuits. And you have, a, you have a general sense of it. The people in the vans look like they had been crafted to sit amongst these things. As Rachel Monroe, the author of the article wrote, there is an undeniable aesthetic and demographic conformity in the van life world. Nearly all of the most popular accounts belong to young, attractive, white, heterosexual couples. There's the pretty van girl and the woodsy van guy, Smith said. That's what people want to see. At times, the van life community seems full of millennials living out a leftover baby boomer fantasy. The Volkswagens, the neo-hippie fashions, the retro gender dynamics, end quote. So... That was 2017, really, when this is actually, this trend has actually grown leap years since then, because that was like a half decade ago. And it's it's a full-on phenomenon. And I think it's really, really interesting because, as I said, it's walking this line between, I mean, it used to be this, if you lived in a van, like you had no other choice. But now there's this aspirational. Um, it talks a lot about millennials, but uh, I've read a lot of uh, statistics that a, a lot of the newest purchasers of these conversion vans, and I'll tell you more about that later, are Gen Z. But they're buying these vans and they're glamorous. They're sleekly designed. They have beds, they have showers, they have toilets. I've seen some with bathtubs. They are, they are kind of an offshoot of the, the, the tiny home movement. So there's also this sort of, uh, what's the word for it? I mean, there's a superiority about it. If you're living your life like this, a lot of these van lifers are very proud of the, of, of the fact that, okay, they're running on solar. 
you know, their, their carbon footprint is lower than the house that you stupidly pay are paying a mortgage for, for 30 years. Another aspect of this is being enfranchised when you were disenfranchised before. If you couldn't afford to buy a house, you might afford to buy a, be able to afford a van, right? Um, outfit it luxuriously and live debt-free with solar panels that, that reduce your, your carbon footprint. So not only are you not buying into this, you know, shit show of a consumerist life that we've all sold, we've, has been sold to us, Gen Xers, right? But um, you're, you, you don't have this debt. What do you, what do you guys think? Does it sound, does it sound sexy to you? Does it sound aspirational? Does it, are you still having notes of like Van Down by the River vibes? Yeah, I, I have lots of thoughts about this. Um, Tell us your thoughts. I have a first uh, once removed uh, experience with this where I wasn't the van lifer, but I have a close friend who did it. And um, but first I wanted to mention the illusion that it is a, um, a choice for the disenfranchised because. Right. When we talk about a van, I mean, when you're talking about a van with bathrooms and tubs, we're no longer talking about a van. At this point, it's just become a full-on trailer. So you're you're dragging around a trailer that has plumbing. And um, so you need to hook up to... Well, it's not necessarily a trailer because a trailer means that like it doesn't have its own motor. So this these are vans... That are that- big enough, right? Yeah, but, yeah, that'd be but in, enough, order to, that- in order to have their own plumbing, they need to be sophisticated enough that they're going to be extremely pricey. Uh, or you need to hook up to the plumbing system in certain campsites and so on. So you, there's just a whole structural, like, uh, you know, paying for the campsite, paying for the, for the gas of driving around something so heavy that the advantages of not owning a home kind of start to erode based on the costs. But my friend who did do the van life, they really did van. And it was a very, it was a very small van and it converted the back into a bed and kind of a living space. And that was really authentically the van life. The 40, the, (laughs) the level of connection you need to have with your loved one, if you're doing this with a loved one to make this work while traveling across the country needs to be extraordinary because I don't know if you've had the experience of living in a very, we've all lived in New York, so we may know this, but of living in an extremely uh, small space, which Mm -hmm. I lived in a horned square foot apartment and that felt small. And we're talking about what, like 90 square feet? I I, I don't know. 90 90 to maybe 150 tops. So that particular relationship with my friend didn't survive the van life. Um, And they weren't weren't doing it. Yeah, uh-huh. who was in a van had a relation was it was traveling with their was partner. traveling with somebody in a relationship yep okay and they were traveling across the u.s and they had a remote job so they could do that uh, but both had financial cushions number one and number two um had jobs that they could carry around with them so that's privileged already and this is not a dis on my friend at all like that was great i'm like this is a great idea for you both because you can do it so do it but most yeah. people don't have the luxury of moving around and being able to work, right? So already- Well, I mean, thing. more so than they do they did before. More, you're right. And can yeah. I interject here just 
just briefly because I have some numbers about costs and mm -hmm. I think it's important. I mean, obviously cool. it's important. So, um, Listen, we love information. We love statistics. We love specifics on this podcast. So do I. More than anything. So it's education. Yeah. We do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so here's something that I've gotten. I pulled from an online source. Uh, it's called Barefoot Theory, and it's a it's a website that's all about like outdoor RVing, van life, camping, etc. And here's a heading: How much does it cost to convert a van? Okay, and it says here, just like budgets vary from van life lifer to van lifer, so can the cost of a van conversion. Here are some rough estimates for the new panel style vans that are popular for conversions. So you guys Google this, but the least expensive panel style van is the Dodge ProMaster with prices starting around 33,000. Okay, that's for the van itself. That's not for the conversion with making a loft and a toilet and a bathtub and a shower and all kinds of things that I've seen in these things. Uh, the Ford Transit starts around 37,000. On the more expensive side is the Mercedes Sprinter with four by four, prices starting around $56,000. And I'm going off this um, article now, I, I've seen prices go up, especially uh, Mercedes Sprinter is a very popular high-end choice. It's large, it's got a high top and people have full on luxury apartments in these, but you know, these can start around $100,000 fully furnished. So it starts to be this sort of muddy area between, okay, are we really saving money? Are we really going off grid? Are we going anti-consumerist? Are we just going full in? Or is this some kind of niche sort of fetish um, where we're um, indulging ourselves in? So, the thing is, you can, though. I've seen, I've followed this hashtag van life for a long time. There are people who buy old bands for a few thousand dollars and do all the work themselves in their, you know, driveway somewhere in the Midwest and they set out. And we, we have to, obviously, at this point, it's not funny at all, but mention, like, the elephant in the room, which I think it's interesting because you did mention, like, relationships in these situations the it's been in the news the gabby petito brian laundry right. case and they were hashtag van lifers who were trying to build a social media presence and you know i don't want to speculate really about anything but all you know is that they were in a small space and any problems that you had in your relationship can only be magnified in this tiny living situation and it's it's kind of extreme yeah. so that's another aspect of it i guess i wonder how safe it is too for like women if you did this alone i mean i've kind of i i i think i'm echoing some of camilo's thoughts which is yeah. um in some ways to me it speaks to like a failure of uh just the fact that normal you know, retirement and owning a home is just becoming out of reach for so many people. And this is being packaged yeah. to us as like a sexy alternative when it really, it, I think has a more, I mean, I think for, for like a year, you know, if somebody did it and they have the means and, um, 
I think it's probably really, there's elements of it that are really cool, but as a permanent solution for people who are struggling with housing, you know, people trying to retire, I think, I think it points to a failure of like 40 years of really it's, bad it's a little sad, man. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like there's another podcast I was listening to and they were talking about how millennials are all like going in to buy houses together you know, like friends buying houses together. And they were talking about just the legal complication of that. Like if somebody wants to sell at some point and that the media is doing stories about like, look at this fun, kooky, wacky thing that millennials are doing. Like, isn't it adorable? And it's like, no, it speaks. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. And they don't have the money to do it on on their own. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I think it speaks more to that than anything else. I mean, look, I think if somebody did it, like a friend of, if a friend of mine did it for a year, providing that they were really safe, because I think it's a danger, you know, there are elements of traveling. Absolutely. For women. Also too, from what I understand about the Brian Landry thing or this whole thing is they've, they've uncovered like nine bodies, random bodies in the national, in the state park. I haven't heard about the nine bodies unless I was- news um apparently like in searching for the two of them they've also come across like bodies that had you know had never been recovered i know about i know about they found her remains which out in grand teton national park and they found his remains in florida uh, yeah carlton national preserve i think it's called but i don't know about the other book We'll, we'll, we'll fact check. We'll, we'll, we'll fact check that, but yeah. I'd, I'd read that somewhere. That allegedly, allegedly. Crazy, That's allegedly that they'd in yeah. fact found, you know, other remains that were not, neither of them. Yeah. Um, so I, I would, you know, I'd be very worried if a female friend did this honestly in the U S like alone, I hate to say that, but I, 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 it would, I would be anxious about a good friend of mine going out on the road in a van, like a, a woman, and- um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's honestly what was mentioned. I would too, and what was mentioned in the and I thought about it. You know, I've thought about it. So I, yeah, I know. Pictures of vans. I'm like, it's amazing. It's better than any apartment I've ever lived in. Like, and some of them are so plush and beautiful. But like that article said, like the van life in a lot of ways, there there are some van lifers of color, but like. Can I imagine driving across the American South in a van by myself in Alabama and Mississippi at night and feeling safe? Hell to the fucking no. No, no. Yeah. I fucking hate that, but- um, Even parts of the West that are so desolate. Yeah, exactly. Also, if you broke down- even changing a tire these these people get very and i will say that about a lot of them we have to wrap this up because um i bring the interesting topics i know but like (laughs) of these people get very handy they have you know they can not only change their tires they can like change their engines and a broken axle axis and like all kinds of stuff and these are huge rigs sometimes so and they're doing all kinds of things and there's a lot of women van lifers that are incredibly handy they've they actually built out the whole thing before they even started but um you're right they're the safety issues are concerning and also like if we can't buy a house if we want to buy a house 
um, do we really, do we really need to be happy with living in a van? Uh, <laughs> On four wheels. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. No so, matter how plush the, uh, the shower that you've built into the engine. I have got the most plush closet on wheels I've ever been seen. So I have, yeah. I have really good news for you. If you want to go on uh, uh, traveling around the country in a van about fitness. Great. And uh, not having access to a gym. Do you run alongside your van? <laughs> yeah, that's it. And you do one of those TikToks where you're like dancing next to the open door, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, With Fleetwood Mac. Seems dangerous. Yeah. Well, it's dangerous enough that one person, I don't know, fell off a cliff or got hit by a car. I don't know. Some oh, of them. Shit. I think it was like moving it because you have to get out of the moving vehicle. Yeah. How do you yeah. That's dangerous. Slowly. Yeah. Yeah. I got to ask, what is that funeral like? There should be a whole documentary called Funerals <laughs> Funerals for Idiots. Like, yeah, you died in a dumb way. We're well, sad. It's, a, it's the Darwin yeah. Awards. The Darwin Awards. Oh, right. Video, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So do you want to hear about this uh, exciting yeah. Yeah. health and beauty? In this case, it's more fitness. Always. Oh, I just want to be pretty. Give me your potions, give me your serums, even your unwent. But that perfect workout, baby, oh no, I can't. I just want to be pretty. So I actually had a real life source for this uh, for this segment, which is very exciting. I wow. am I am currently uh, interacting with a really interesting person here in Kansas City. His name is David Dykeman. He is an actual, uh, an actual renowned dog trainer for several decades. And uh, he's also getting into the fitness space. He lives a, an interesting and eccentric lifestyle in a partly in his home in Kansas City, partly in an Airstream, speaking of van life. He's currently in Colorado, hanging out, having fun, uh, sending photos of the snow and the stuff that's going on over there. So it's pretty cool. So... David has been, uh, he's also a Bitcoin person. So maybe one day we'll have him on to actually explain Bitcoin to us. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That? I'm going to be and, rich. Uh, <laughs> crypto bro. Yeah, crypto bro. One of the things that David is working on is fitness resistance bands. And he actually, the other day I was telling him how I hurt my forearm, which I discussed briefly last episode. And I was like, well, I think I may be overworking out. I don't know, with my weights. And we determined it was probably more of a keyboard and mouse thing because it's a nerve. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so it wasn't even Camilo, uh, you should have stuck with your other story. Yeah, I should have. Wailing on I was working out, yeah. so lifting so heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I was clicking my mouse real hard. Yeah. And he's like, how many reps are you doing? And I was like, I don't know, 30. It's like, that's just a waste of time. So I've been working on this. Um, so he started telling me about the these uh, progressive resistance bands. So this actually is like legit information. So thank you, David. But what's really fascinating is that he, um, to me, this could bore everybody else to death. But he's he basically, and I'm trying to translate this into the simplest description or explanation possible, is that imagine somebody doing squats, right? Let's imagine mm, somebody yes. doing squats. Yes. All right. So I do them every day. Can we all imagine Jason Momoa 
Yeah, I do, like, I do. Okay. I do. So let's imagine Jason yes. Momoa slash Kim. Please. Or Kim, whichever you prefer uh, to imagine. Uh, okay. Um, no, depending, on your, depending on your proclivities, imagine okay. one of the two. So basically, he's like, when you grab the weighted bar and you're standing up, you can hold the bar. If you go down, it gets harder and harder and harder. And what's really challenging is to push up from the bottom, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he says, you're stronger at the top. Your weakest point is down here. They figured out that, say you take that bar that you're up standing up, holding up here, and you throw some chains over the bar, some mm. heavy chains over the bar. So if I have a hundred pounds when I'm standing up here, if I throw a chain, let's say the chain is an additional hundred pounds. When I'm standing, I'm holding up most of the chain and the weights. So I'm so holding up 200 pounds. So I know it's a math, about, it's a math problem. Wait, Camilo, just for, because I always have an eye for this because I'm thinking about the listeners and what they can't see. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about bench pressing. Nope. We're talking about like deadlifts from the ground. Is that what it's called? We're talking um, about squats. So you're standing up yeah, to start yeah, yeah. with holding the bar and then you're lowering yeah. your butt as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. And then lifting back up. And the then, bar. yeah. yeah. So if I have a hundred pounds on my bar, but then I throw a hundred pounds of chains over the bar, like literally take a chain that weighs 50 pounds, throw it over one side, take another chain that weighs 50 pounds and throw it over the other bar. Does when it I'm, still have weights on each end? Uh, I still have the weight weights on the bar, like the round normal weights that you pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, but the chains are just thrown over. Okay. So because they're high up, I'm holding all of the weight of the chains. But as I go down, the weight, the chains settle onto the floor. So I'm not lifting them anymore, right? Huh. The further down I go, the more the chains settle on the floor. Yeah. But when I get to the bottom, there's not as much weight because a bunch of the chains are sitting pooled on the floor. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm visualizing. Okay. Got so it. So it means that at the bottom, I'm holding maybe 150 pounds because of the pool chains. When I come up, as I'm raising the chains up, the weighting. And as you're peaking in strength, as yes. you already said. Yep. So you're That's forcing, so interesting. without the chains, at the top, you're not lifting as much as you could. You're reliant on being at the bottom of your squat, and that's your weakest point, and that's what's defining how much you can lift. So the chains allow you to not be slave to your weakest point. But how do you get from, I don't understand how you get from the bottom where you're weak to the top where you're not weak. I understand you're the strongest at the top, but how do you make it from the bottom to the top with those chains? Because you're gradually adding the weight? Correct. As, yeah. Okay. So you're, Got you're. It. And you're gradually getting stronger as you stand up. Correct. So yeah, it is pretty interesting. And um, because this podcast is educational, if it's not anything else. So this was a really interesting theory. And now, so now they have these silicone bands that replicate mm -hmm. that varying resistance you get from the chains. So you are being pushed to the max, no matter what part of the motion you're in, not just at the bottom of the motion. And if it's a curl you're doing, because when you do a curl, when you have your weight, if you're holding your weight at your side, an arm curl, 
when you have your weight right. at your side. Now we're talking about a different thing because we we're yeah. talking about a big like barbell before. Now we're talking right. about like arm dumbbells. Right? Yeah. So if you think about a dumbbell, if you're holding it at your side, you don't feel anything yeah. until you start pulling it up. Then when it's 90 degrees next to you, like with your arm at 90 degrees, then yeah. is when you feel it the most. And then at the top, you don't feel anything either when it's curled. Yeah. So okay. all, all of this resistance stuff, make sure that you feel the maximum amount of tension and workout throughout the entire range of the motion. Mm-hmm. So to basically, to put it simply, so this is going to revolutionize working out because the idea is you don't need to do like a thousand reps of something where you're only pushing yourself to 30% of your potential based on your weak point, but you can just do eight to 10 reps or whatever, where through the entire range of motion, you're going to hundred percent of your potential. And how and- many reps until my booty gets pumped, like Megan B. Stallion. That's well, all I want to know. Kim, it could be like, yes. this is the thing. It could be 30 reps. Mm-hmm. You drop it, you walk away and you're done. That's your workout for the day. You're done. Oh, really? No, yeah, because you you reach failure. And once you've reached failure, you've pushed your muscles to the max throughout the entire range of motion. Yeah. So you can just walk away, rest for a day, rest those muscles for a day, and you'll build more booty. Then you can increase the resistance once you get stronger. But What's revolutionary about this whole thing, and and it's now coming up and like pro athletes have been doing it, is that you can work out various body parts for 20 minutes, three times a week, and you're done. There's no need to be at the gym for an hour. There's no need to kill yourself, kill, you know, like, yeah. And I was telling David, I was like, well, the gym. I used to do that when I was in my 20s. Yeah, me too. I'd I'd be at the gym for like three hours. Yeah. Exactly. And I was telling David, like, so now the only reason to go to the gym, if you're single is to like meet people, right. To go out with. I think that's more (laughs) of a gay man thing. We were talking about that earlier. So you can basically just do this bandy thing. Yep. And that's it. You're, you're going to be ripped. You're going to be, you're going to be totally ripped because when you send your muscles into failure mode, they're like, Oh shit, this is not enough. So uh-huh. we need to build more. So you so, you try to eat right and you know you try to do the right things nutritionally and get enough rest. But can you give me an exact like minute <laughs> threshold? Like 10 minutes. Please. I mean, come again, on. I want that booty pump. And yeah, I want no, a, I want my abs ripped. Yeah. Thanks, you know, thanks David for the statistics, but he's basically like, let's say you're doing squats um it's it's kind of a full body workout in a sense so you could not do much more but it's leg focused so So if i do 10 minutes of squats you're telling me no 10 minutes is too much no 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 10 minutes you just i so this is wait a second you do do as many reps as you can't do anymore and what was really amazing is that yeah let's say you're doing squats usually what happens when you're doing squats is you have to be really careful because if you're at the bottom and you can't yeah. lift up the weight, you're fucked. Right. You need to call somebody, come over and yeah. help you lift This has it. never happened to me. Because I'm trapped. <laughs> you never that, like that, deadlifted but, like a big no, barbell? No, 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 never. So, I swim. I'm a true old lady. Yeah. So great. David says swimming is useless, but uh, we can talk about that. That's after. not but, true. That's not but, true. Um, 
David, but, it's time for you to just stay in the van. <laughs> <laughs> he's got this beautiful airstream that he's like redone inside with like wood, wood, like beautiful wood accoutrements. It looks mid-century. It's really cool. But um, yeah, he says, but in this case, when you're at the bottom with these bands, they, mm -hmm. uh, they're adjusting. They know you're weaker down here. So you're going to be right. able to move back up. Okay. And um, not get stuck down there and have to scream for help. And um, it's it's really interesting. I, it, it's like a new frontier and it appeals to me because I no longer want to work at for an hour and, you know, whatever amount okay. of time. Okay, I want to hear about how swimming is useless. So he's he, uh, David was telling me that um, if you can do something for nonstop for- Like hours. Yeah, hour. It doesn't even have to be hours. It can be like twenty, you know, ten minutes or whatever. He's like, your body can do it. You're not pushing your body to develop new muscle because your body's like, I can handle this, so it's fine. I'm, I'm. It's fun. I may be enjoying myself swimming, but I'm not pushing my body beyond its capabilities. If you don't want to build muscle, it's perfectly can fine. It gets you moving, and it it move. You know, your heart rate's going marathon. But, yeah. Okay. There, there's an example for you. I'd like. Yeah. To well, he says, for David marathon. Yeah. yeah, he says no one, no one, no one does that regularly, but they they run up to twenty miles and they run a marathon. And in his theory, it's useless, right? No, because it's not that there aren't fitness benefits to doing X, Y, Z. Okay. It's just that he says when people are trying to build muscle, your standard going to the gym and doing this and doing that. Getting bigger. That, getting yeah. like, the, yeah, it's true. Most, you know, the typical marathoner is super lean. Yeah. That's true. I do like the idea of short and robust. That yes. is appealing to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we should probably move on to my next, to the next segment, which I'm doing. I'm doing. Um, what are you doing? The Please. future. In 30 years, yeah, stuff will be different. Be different. How, different? How different? We don't know. We don't know. But we'll speculate, we'll speculate for the show. show. Come along for the ride. I'm going to make it pretty snappy because I unfortunately have to go to this class. Okay. Because well, let Jen, me ask. Jenny's 13 years old. She has. A, I am. I've got she has a a remedial, remedial math. Coming exactly. Up. That's so Do, rude. Why does it have to be remedial? Exactly. Gosh, you're so sexist, Camille. Are you saying women can't do math? All right. I have a question. Have you, have either of you experienced supply chain issues um, in the past month? Yes. So the, yes. Tell me. <laughs> My life is nothing but supply chain issues. <laughs> Are they having supply chain issues in Barbados too? Yes, always. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's a, that's a natural state of things because it's a remote island. But right. But worse. What you're than talking usual. about is COVID related, maybe, or kind of, yeah. And Camila, what about you? Yes, us bougie boys over here are having trouble getting somebody who can get the kind of fence that we want. <laughs> oh. Within a reasonable amount of months. Oh. Okay. Interesting. They just don't have the materials, or what? Yeah, just getting the materials and somebody who knows how to make it apparently is another issue. There's just not. Right. The labor, labor the, shortage. Yeah. Well, I have an article here 
that this is long. Uh, it's about an a topic that's long been kind of a, of interest to me. It's from the hill. We'll call it the swampy hill. That's the <laughs> DC rag. Wait, hold um, on. How can a hill be swampy when it's because you know top? DC is. It's uh, okay. everybody calls. Right. It yeah, I, I got it immediately. Yeah. No, no, but I'm talking like ge geographically, it's not possible, but okay, fine. Okay, well, we'll accept the metaphor. Um, okay, the title of this article is Are Supply Chain Disruptions the Beginning of the End of Globalization? At the end of last week, there were 584 container ships idling off the world's ports, waiting to be loaded or unloaded. Disruptions in the bulk cargo sector look to be even worse. Um, this columnist for Bloomberg is like, no, it's nothing. It's just a little blip. Globalization is great. Um, the worst may be over for supply chain snarls that have plagued shipments of everything from Coca-Cola ingredients to paint, toys, and industrial fasteners. But this article goes on to say the optimism, however, is premature. The snarls could last years. In fact, they said some things, it could take up to 2024 to get some things. This goes on to just, you know, talk about whether or not we're going to decouple from China. This is interesting. So, conscious, a conscious decoupling. A, con is that, a conscious is that decoupling. That's right. Oh we're God, gonna... stop with the goop shit, you guys. Already. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to put out a statement with China saying we're decoupling. Um, but one thing that I didn't realize, and this is kind of interesting, is that, uh, you know, we get a humongous, like an absurd amount of stuff is made in China that we're dependent on. In fact, there was one statistic I read that our reliance on China for manufacturing is akin to a former colony relying on the, the country that like colonized it, I guess, for, for goods yeah. and services. Um, and one thing that I didn't know is that most Chinese factories are powered by coal, um, which is, I, I thought was kind of incredible. So when you're actually getting goods from them, you're effectively getting them from coal powered plants. So I have a question for you on, on a whole, what is your, what is your impression? Do you think globalization is a good thing? Do you think that we're going to see the end of it in our lifetime? You don't on, think so, Camila? On the contrary, I think we're going to start importing from uh, goods, good, maybe not services yet, but goods from, from uh, Mars, the moon. Once we, once we're able to extract resources from our surrounding planets, I think we're going to be even more highly dependent on. It, oh, you you believe there's there's going to be intergalactic globalization? But yes. that's more first. First, you'll have a colonization before yeah. you have. Yeah. yeah. With okay. with the with the bonus that we won't really. So you are firmly pro globalization. You think it, it's a good thing that the world is this interconnected, or that we're largely that we outsource like the manufacturing our goods, we exploit these poor countries labor yeah, force. I don't, we, I, pollute, we pollute their rivers because they're not as regulated i mean that's really kind of what well, okay, that, that all customer service literally well, almost all is, is outsourced to the philippines yeah right call centers i mean you don't i, think I, that I, I, I feel like you're really you're stacking the deck here you're like that is a huge that's a huge part of it though that is a huge Hold part of on. it. I do believe in globalization and I do believe in lifting up developing countries. I do also believe that we should be 
trying to use clean energy there and we should be lift we should be offering those people salaries that allow them to live but we don't that's no, the no, whole we point don't. So, that's but the whole, but, but comparatively, do, we do. The whole point of globalization, though, and the reason that Wall Street loves it so much is it's an exploitable labor. labor force. Yeah, it's cheap yeah. labor, yes. and they can pollute. And it's also impoverished our own middle class. We've talked about this. I don't but, know. I, you don't, also, but you don't here's, have to. You don't here's, have to. Here's here, but we do, and okay, we have, and that's example. part of the appeal. Wait a second, wait a second. I want to say something else. Another reason why I, another reason why I don't like globalization, is that I think it ushers in a monoculture. I really do. Okay, I'm going to give you a quick example. I went to Italy for the first time, after not going there since I was 12 years old. Two years ago, I went, um, and I was really struck by how bad the kids in, were. No, in the time, in the time that I, you know, since I'd been there, that I remember I was so struck when I was a kid by Italian clothing, like the the craftsmanship of the shoes, of the style, the design. And when I went this time, it was the same fucking cheap, fast fashion that is everywhere. Yes. And even the Italian brands have, they they've outsourced because you have to, like, that's the global model. And I was like, this is such a, there's a kind of monoculture that gets ushered in with the kind of like, it is, it's It's fucking, it's bland. I'm with Jen on this one for sure. It's, it, 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 I don't want to like, one of the drags I think of our age is that we've, we've effectively made places more like the U.S. We fucking outsourced our, in addition to outsourcing our labor, we've also outsourced our shitty culture. You know what I mean? Like there's something about the profit, uh, making it entirely just profit-based that makes everything cruder and cheaper. So Uh, counter, counter argument. Oh yes, please. Fast fashion, (laughs) fast fashion originates in Europe, but, um, also, but, uh, I read an article too that fast fashion ends up in Ghana. That's where the landfills are. Oh yeah, no, there, it was. It's sick market there. Um, okay. Mostly like it's it the what the thing that I saw was like mostly dead European stuff sold. It in is Ghana that for for aspirational prices, this is dead white people stuff, and that's. That's I read that it's, yeah. Yeah. And I read it's also clogging their like what you know, it's completely clogging like their landfill. That's, their it's, water that's actually a global pr- problem. Right. It's definitely yeah. a problem in the US as well. People buy and buy and they throw stuff away. And uh, yeah. It's okay. Um, so let's let's look at the let let's look at the counter argument, the real counter argument, which is Brexit. Oh, what a wonderful which utopia. Is, well, FYI, it's popular. It's popular in England, though. What a, what the a British wonderful... still approve of it. You're so anti-globalism that um, I think you're blinded to its <laughs> dark underbelly, which is, oh, we have no gas, we have no drivers, we have no truck drivers, because, oh, our local population isn't willing to work driving trucks for the wages that we are offering, which are incredibly generous wages for people who live in developing countries that they can feed entire families back home with these wages. Here's and my and the, the, argument, the argument is that, well, we're, we're going to get local workers for this type of uh, industry 
And they're going to be happy to do this at the exact same wages that we were offering these developing countries. Well, that's, that's a fallacy. I mean, that, that, that's a fallacy for sure in the U.S. that, you know, that narrative of, oh, the workers, migrant workers, Mexican workers taking our jobs. And they're not, they're not jobs that most Americans are willing to do. Not yeah. at those wages. Not at those wages, but I'll say, I do think that there is something kind of like, it's, it's a very perverse logic though, isn't it? It is. Like, and, and it that really, is, really, that is really is. It's saying like, okay, we have one set of standards for our workforce, but yeah. hey, we have a completely de- set of standards for their workforce. And that's something because that- Because in your really country, this exactly. is a good job. Yeah. Yes. This is a good wage. Yes. And there are people- happy with it. Okay, the last thing I want to do is I want to read you guys a quote that is always stuck with me. I think it's a really incredible, incredible quote. It was written by this guy, Richard Rorty. He wrote it in uh, 1999. He wrote a book called Achieving Our Country. I read this the day, I think it was like the day, a day or two after Trump was elected. And this is what the title of it, Richard Rorty's 1998 book suggested election 2016 was coming. And here it is in its entirety. Members of labor unions and unorganized, unskilled workers will sooner or later realize that their government is not even trying to prevent wages from sinking or to prevent jobs from being exported. Around the same time, they will realize that suburban white collar workers, themselves desperately afraid of being downsized, are not going to let themselves be taxed to provide social benefits for anyone else. At that point, something will crack. The non-suburban electorate will decide that the system has failed and start looking around for a strong man to vote for. Someone willing to assure them that once he is elected, the smug bureaucrats, tricky lawyers, overpaid bond salesmen, and postmodernist professors will no longer be calling the shots. One thing that is very likely to happen is that the gains made in the past 40 years by black and brown Americans and by homosexuals will be wiped out. Jocular contempt for women will come back into fashion. All the resentment which badly educated Americans feel about having their manners dictated to them by college graduates will find an outlet. 1998, he wrote that. Because he yeah. saw where labor and capital were going. And he the rise of the... The, the, yeah. the liberal elite narrative. That, yeah. That but 1998 is when this book was pu- published. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Like he prognosticated where it would go and he turned out to be right. He's incorrect, and it's very- about, he's incorrect about homosexuality. And, um, but I, I mean, to a degree, yeah. to a degree. I mean, I think a lot of people felt terribly threatened by Trump in terms of like what he would do to to gay people when he that came was into really power. overly dramatic in my opinion but well uh, regardless there was still but, a lot of fear it was very unclear but uh, i will i just want to punctuate what i said earlier i wanted to make it clear the irony of what i was saying because i am not an uncritical capitalist i just want to make it clear that i understand the uh that the system is broken but that's the system that we're functioning in so that's what we just have to accept that that's what it is. Is that what they did under the divine right of kings? I mean, nobody thought that would change. Yeah, I it don't think. I don't think that there's. And you point out it's wrong. I don't. I don't think that there's enough social will to truly change the system at its foundation. So we have to. It's find about to change. But that's I, one of the reasons that I, I think it's going to change in a violent way, and that's. I why think I, you're right. That's right now. Mm-hmm. 
I don't and know that's see that. to get real, really real, you guys. I think that I think I think you're right. I think we're gonna. I I I. Uh, it's indisputable to me that we're in for a rocky road. I I. It's unclear to me what's going to happen with globalization. So much of it is highly dependent on what happens with the Chinese government, and that's a pretty scary like operation to be dependent on. I, it's it's also too. I read that in the run up to um in the run up to World War II, American businesses wanted to do business with the Nazis. I mean, they were. Like basically they had to be anti-trusted out of it. It was like they they had to be restrictions had to put be put on them because they were they were happy to do business with them. Look, I mean, yeah, it's, the profit incentive is that anybody can be a partner. Hey, I mean, who doesn't want to sell to a billion people? So anyway. There's, we could all, we could do like a whole episode on this. I think it's very As usual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's the future of globalization, I guess. <laughs> it's I thought it was a really, I thought you brought up some good points, both of you. And um, as per usual, as a Gemini, I kind of vacillate between more than one side. You're um, Good. I, I feel like you are a bullshit Gemini because you have such strong opinions and you do not vacillate generally. Yeah, so, you think so? I don't yes. think so. I think, I don't I think, think that you... I'm able to see both sides. I, of course, yeah. I have opinions. Okay. Yeah, I do think Kim is always a very thoughtful listener. I agree. I just don't think that Kim like has a personality. She's not a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde that she like flips, you know. Oh, we should do an astrology. Oh my God, we need to do an astrology episode. Yes. Oh, and what can you bring an astrologer? Yes. Let's talk about our charts. Yes, that would be so much. That would be good. Amazing. Love it. That would be so much fun. Patreon people, get give give us your dollar so we can you know throw your cards or something. I've got to go. Yeah, we've we've gone over. What a shocker! But. Follow us on the things at, at halfway there, the podcast, the things are currently Facebook yeah. and Instagram. So uh, you can correct. find that as well on Patreon. You can donate and um, get things like the very saucy conversation we were having before we hit record. Uh, you probably want to hear a lot of- Yeah, that. you guys, little do you know, we have a yeah. whole, we have like an hour of conversation yep. before and- and some of it is uh, very naughty. Very. So very. Um, if you are not a mom of a person here, <laughs> then um, we highly recommend you listen. God. <laughs> Definitely. Hi, Tina. <laughs> Hi, Tina. What else do we have going on? Can we, do uh, we, we what do we want? Gmail. Oh, yeah. Tell us. Uh, you can contact us via email at halfway there, the podcast at gmail.com. And we will respond to you with lightning fast speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's Kim's guarantee. Amazing. She, yeah. She's basically got the Domino's pizza. She will bring the hot response to your house within maybe not 30 minutes, but you know, close. Exactly. She will not get into dangerous uh, driving situations doing it either. <laughs> Hopefully As not. As Domino's Pizza was known to do in the 80s. <laughs> did, did they? Was that, those were some those, news items. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember like they promised 30 minute delivery and just the drivers were like, just basically. They're like, let's run over babies. Yeah, flames like, coming out of the tires just yeah. to get a hot pizza to you. And um, please rate us. 
five stars on all the things, especially Apple, Apple Podcasts. A nice review would be great as well. Not nice, a glowing review. Glowing like my new ring light and glowing like my skin right now, which is too much glowing. <laughs> Like, no, it's beautiful, warm glow. It's, uh, it's really nice, Camilo. Remember to keep it perky. Keep it perky. Good night. This has been halfway there, but it's also the end. The end of this episode of Halfway There. You get it.